So Joshua chapter 3, you can follow along on the screen, open your Bible, open your phone, you can go to the Bible app and click events and find Hedgesville Church, click on that and you can find the notes there. Joshua chapter 3, start in verse 1, early in the morning, there's something about people who get up early. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out. Now, I checked on how to pronounce this because I knew all of you people in here that don't know Christ. And, are, and some of you that I thought knew Christ, but you're laughing now. That is not pronounced the way you were thinking of it in your head. And so you were sitting there going, oh, is he going to say it? It's pronounced, it's Hebrew. It's pronounced Shatim filthy-minded people. So the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. Just underline that. Highlight it in your app, whatever you have to do. You've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. That's about 3,000 feet. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for giving us the ability to just anticipate your goodness in our lives to expect it. Pray, Lord, that you change our minds today. Make us more effective because we can have the confidence that you're already at where we're going. And you've provided a way, you've provided all that we need to get there and sustain us while we are there. We thank you for it, Lord. We pray that you'd accomplish great things through us. Started today in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everyone said amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. We, um, we started last week uh, with this sermon series called, and it's an acronym for a leadership definition we believe in here. So last week, it's called. Everybody knows what an acronym, right? The first letters spell out a word. So last week, we talked about being committed to personal growth. This week, A, anticipates the next step. L, looks for potentials in others. Another L, leverages opportunities for reconciliation. E, equips others for their calling. And D, we are driven by excellence. Uh, this, is a, this isn't an exhaustive explanation of leadership, but we believe it's an explanation that fits leaders here at Hedgesville Church. We believe that even if there's many paths to leadership in different, in different ministries that once you're a leader, we can all exhibit the same characteristics. Amen? So uh, we want leadership, when we're in leadership, we want it to look like a uniform thing. We are leading the same way. And that's an important uh, thing. If you could get everyone to lead the same way at the place you worked, your job would be a lot easier. If you could get everybody to lead with the same integrity, the company would work different. And so so part of having that culture is to explain that culture. And so that's what we're doing uh, during this sermon series. So 
anticipates the next step. I'm going to approach this from a little different. Uh, I'm not really talking about fortune telling or palm reading or anything like that. Like I can guess what's coming next. I'm not talking about that. One of the most important things I think for, for a leader in the church or even outside of the church is to anticipate where God is in the next step and what God's motivations are in the next step. And so if I, can, if I have an outlook that can anticipate God being where I'm going, it changes, it changes my mentality about getting there. And this is a great story uh, that, that paints that picture. The children of Israel were led out of Egypt by Moses. Actually, it was a, a terrifying circumstance where the Passover had taken place and uh, it was the straw that broke the camel's back, if you want to say that, that uh, all the firstborns were basically slaughtered that night. And only the people that had put blood across their doorposts, like God had instructed, uh, were their children um, spared. Pharaoh, it was the breaking point for him, and he said, get out. The Bible also tells us that Israel basically plundered Egypt uh, on their way out, and God had provided for them through their, uh, through their captors. And so they leave Egypt. They immediately come to the Red Sea. God does a miraculous thing at the Red Sea. But they come to the edge of the promised land eventually, and they don't go in because of doubt, fear, whatever you want to call it. So then they start this process of wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, essentially until a generation of people die. And then Joshua and Caleb, two of the, 10, two of the 12 spies that had went in previously that were sent into the, uh, into the promised land to spy it out. Joshua and Caleb were the only two that came back and said, man, we can do this. God's for us. He's with us. Let's do it. We'll conquer him. All the rest of them said things like, oh, we look like grasshoppers in their eyes, as if they had taken a pole to find out what the inhabitants of the land thought about their height. So they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Now we're at the place where Moses has died. Joshua is in charge, and they're at the edge of the promised land again. Now, you know what is awesome about this is that you get a second chance. That's a good deal, man, isn't it? Some of you maybe after years and years and years are getting a second chance now. And you should, you should not react to it the way you did the first time. You should take it as a second chance for all that it's worth. So in chapter 3, we pick up that God is giving Joshua these instructions about how, how it's going to happen. And Joshua makes this comment in verse 5. He tells everybody, get ready. He says, consecrate yourself. Basically, get ready. God is going to do something amazing tomorrow. God is going to do something amazing tomorrow. You know, I find that my, the, way I, the way I think about God oftentimes determines what I do with my tomorrow. Doesn't it? Like if I think God's just this cosmic ruler out there ready to thump me at every turn, just ready to throw down the discipline, just ready to, you know, Chris, you did something wrong, now I'm going to pound you for it. Then, then my idea of what can happen tomorrow will be totally different than if I think God is for me, with me, moving on my behalf planning for me before I even need what I, what I don't even realize I need. It says he's provided before you even know to ask for it. And so if my outlook on life is that I can 
anticipate God being where I'm going, then me going there is not as treacherous as if I plan on him not being there. So it's a very important part of our lives to understand how we view God. Because how you view God's capability will determine how far you go, how much you risk, what you will try. So if if I'm like Joshua and I believe absolutely get ready, God is going to do something amazing tomorrow, then I've automatically anticipated that God will be there tomorrow in wherever I'm at. He will be there in the need. He will be there in the victory. He will be there in everything in between. He's already prepared. He's went ahead of me. Matter of fact, I believe Joshua probably learned this from Moses because because Moses at one point in time in the Exodus told God, I will not go unless your spirit goes before me. We're not going anywhere. Unless you go before me, I'm not going. I think that's a pretty good prayer. Actually, I think the better prayer is this. Not to threaten God, but to say, I already know you went before me, and so I'm not afraid to go now. I think that's the better thing. Because unlike Moses, we've got centuries and millennia of history guaranteeing us and proving to us that God has went before us. That he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he is the beginning and the end. So we can, we can anticipate that God will go before us. And he'll be there when we get there. So this is what Joshua does. God comes to him and says, hey, listen, this is the way this thing's going to work out. You're going you're gonna to do the ark. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna let it go before you. About 3,000 feet in front of you. You don't want to get too close to it. You might accidentally touch it and die. Which touching the ark was not a good thing back then. So, there's a very curious thing that is said right at this moment that you might miss because you're going to get all excited about what happens later. It says, follow the ark where it goes because you have not, can you put that scripture up? You have not been here before. Now, how many of you are planners? Can I just see? Raise your hand. Okay. What I'm going to ask you to do is cross over into the free spirit side with all of us. <laughs> just, just for a second. It's not evil. I know it's going against the grain of who you are and the way God wires you. And, and you've been making excuses for it your whole life. You're like, well, God just wired me this way. I can't just leave this morning without knowing where we're going. We're not leaving town. We're just going to Martinsburg. Settle down. It says, then you will know the way to go since you have never been this way before. You have never been this way before. So what that tells me is, is that they had never been there before. God was taking them a different way. You've never been here before. So I want to let all of you know that you don't have to know the next step to take the next step. That's not the anticipation I'm talking about. You don't have to have it all plotted out to take the next step. The anticipation comes in, if I can anticipate that God knows where he's going, then I can anticipate he will know where to take me. And so, I find it very curious that God is looking at them saying, hey, listen, I want you to follow the ark because you've never been here before. There's no, you, there, there's no map to it. Uh, you've never, it, it's not like driving home where you could just, oh, I've been there a thousand. You've never been here before. So he's asking them to follow him someplace they have never been. Oftentimes in our lives, the most miraculous things happen in the places we've never been before. 
when we're, when we're stepping out of a boat, when we're venturing into something new, when we're, when we're anticipating God enough to go, even though I've never been there before, I trust you are still there and that I can follow you through it. So I don't need to know the next step, God. I just need to know you're going to be there when I do take it. And that's actually freeing because what happens is when we need to plan every moment of every journey that we take with God is that oftentimes we get paralyzed because he never gives you that much information. You notice he doesn't say, hey, this is the path the ark is going to take. Now watch. Watch this. I think there's something about being 3,000 feet behind. Because... He's not talking about being impetuous. He's talking about anticipating God already being there. Now, I have been impetuous before. Maybe like once. She's rolling her eyes up here. I have run out and done things uh, that after I did them, I figure out it really wasn't what God wanted me to do. Anybody ever done that? And I'm not talking going to the bar and getting hammered. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about I want it so bad that I just want to go do it. And then I end up later going, ooh, I wish I was about 3,000 feet behind you (laughs) so that I could have seen where you were going. But I wanted this so bad I ran in front of you. So I'm not talking about anticipation where we're running in front of God. I'm talking about anticipating that he's going to be there. So there is a little bit to deliberation when you're praying, going, God, I know you're going before me. Let me trust your pace in my life. Let me trust your pace in my life. I'm an impatient person. Anybody else in the house impatient? I'm impatient because I'm waiting on you to come up with a plan. I'm like, let's do it. Come on, we don't have to talk about it. You don't have to plan it. Let's do it. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. And God's like, why don't you stay 3,000 feet behind for a second, Chris? Why don't you go at my pace? And I go, okay, God, but you like to wait a little bit longer than me. You know, this whole wait on the Lord thing, I figured you'd have it already figured out. You know, you can't keep it up. Wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. I've been like, it's been 30 seconds. I don't know how much you want more. How much more do we have to wait? I've already determined in my heart that this is what I should do. There's a clarity come that comes in your life when you can anticipate that God has gone before you. You've waited on the Lord. You've seen him walk into the river in the water part, and now you can go behind him. Amen. So he says, You don't have to have it all figured out to trust me. Just anticipate that I'll be there when you get there. So Joshua says, consecrate yourself. Get ready because tomorrow God is going to do great things. He's been given the instructions. This is what you need to do. You need to follow the ark. They're going to carry the ark. Follow it. You've never been here before. You don't have to have the plan. You don't have to have it all planned out. I'm going to lead the way. It's fine. You can take a step of faith right now and trust me. You can anticipate that I am who I say I am. That I'm for you, that I'm with you, that I'm, that I'm going to protect you, that I'm going to keep you, that I'll provide for you. You can anticipate that in every step. But there's something, there's, some, there's one little scripture that's, that stuck out 
it's just one little sentence that they threw in there, almost like an afterthought. It said in verse 15, we didn't read this, but it says in verse 15, now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Did you hear that? Look at your neighbor and say, the river was already flooded. Tell him, the river is already flooded. River is already flooded. It was already flooded. Could you imagine being in, uh, in the Israelite camp? Joshua tells the leaders, hey, listen, get ready. God's going to do something good tomorrow. We're going to follow this ark. They all know the promised lands on the other side of the river. And they all know the river's flooded. It's common knowledge. That scripture says, now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. It's like, ah, it's what happens. Jordan's at flood stage all during harvest. So can you imagine the people? Don't you love it when God starts your journey off with a problem? It's like, hey, come follow me. Uh, Jordan's flooded. In case you were distracted by something else, God. The Jordan's already flooded. It's harvest time. Can you imagine that? You know what the problem with leadership is that everybody else knows the Jordan is flooded as well. <laughs> so when you stand up as a leader and you go, this is the way God is leading us. They go, oh, the river's flooded, dude. You, you do know that, right? Because you sound like an idiot standing up here saying we're going to do all this stuff and the economy's tanking as fast as you, you know. There was those seasons, right? Everybody can trust you when the economy's going up. Amen? It's like, man, the stock market's killing it. We're going to take the land. My 401k is so bad right now, we're taking nothing, right? So what we do is we rise and fall on the, diffi- on the, on the difficulty of the obstacle. When God says, I, I was specifically telling you to follow me because you probably wouldn't have chosen to cross the Jordan. Most of the time, the amazing things that God is going to do in your life are going to come through difficulties. Why does God need to step in when you've got everything wrapped up? But he's calling us to follow him, and so he calls us to follow him. And my anticipation of him being at the river when I get there makes the river look different, doesn't it? I don't need to know how to ford the river. God has worked that. He's the one who told me to walk towards it. And so what happens is in leadership is that oftentimes what we do, whether we're leading our family or a business or, or people at work, what, what we often do is we want to take a survey of what everybody thinks about the flooded river. Can I pose you, that's what got the Israelites in trouble the first time they tried to go into the promised land? Hey, let's send 12 guys in. Let's see what they say. 12 guys came back, back out. Two of them said, man, we're anticipating God crushing these people. We're going to make it. It's going to happen. God promised. Let's go in. The other 10 go, ah, you know there's giants in the land. <laughs> I mean, they, they, we look like grasshoppers to them. How do you know that? So in leadership today, what it looks like is we say, how many likes did I get? I put that thing out there. How many likes did I get? How much claps? Did I, how many applause? How many people poked me on Facebook? Which is, don't do that. That's weird. Um, <laughs> how, how, many people, um, how many people tapped on my Instagram feed? Because I, because I feel like this is what God wants me to do. When I start posting it, nobody likes it. 
Can I just give you a little insight into Instagram and Facebook? If you want more likes, post less pictures of you and more of your kids. I can post things. Nobody cares. I put a picture of my wife and my kids. I'm the most famous guy online. It's not about you. But what we oftentimes do is we take a survey before we do what God has called us to do. That always gets us in trouble. So leadership is about anticipating God being there, not anticipating necessarily if people are going to appreciate it before he's there. So what we do is you notice Joshua didn't do what Moses did. He didn't say, hey, what do you guys think about crossing the river? He just said, get ready. Get ready. Leadership tells people to get ready even when they're fearful. That's the part about consecrating yourself. You've got to, okay, leadership is saying, get ready. God is doing something amazing. Wait a second, man, the river's a flood stage. I didn't say worry about the flood. I said, get ready. Wait, we don't know where we're going. Yeah, I still said, consecrate yourself. Listen, there's something about setting ourselves apart for God. That's what consecration means. We're going to set ourselves and we're going to get ourselves right before God. We're going to consecrate ourselves because when you do that before a major event, it centers your will with God's will. And so you realize, wait, he is out in front of me. So oftentimes what we do is worry and stress in our life keep us from the consecration part. Because all we want to bring to him is how fearful we are. And Joseph says, get ready. God is going to do something great. I told the first service, I have my T.D. Jake's voice on. I was like, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. The river was already a flood stage. Some of you are looking up at me going, man, my river is already at flood stage. And you're asking me to anticipate God doing something. You're asking me, the river is already at flood. Why would he promise me something so magnificent on the other side of something difficult? And it's because God brings us to places where we have no solution for it, so he can be the only solution for it. And until we realize that he is our supply, that he is our comforter, that he is, he is our provider, he is our redeemer, he is our king, we will drown in the flooded river. But he says, follow me and watch what I'm capable of doing. Anticipate me doing something amazing tomorrow. You will lead your family different if you anticipate God being where you're going. If you will anticipate him being in the difficult times. Some of you have little kids right now. And let me tell you something. You're pulling your hair out when they're two. Wait till they're 16. The only benefit is you probably pulled it all out when they were little. So, so all of a sudden they're in a car now. Listen, you had control over him at the basket at Walmart. They were in slapping distance. I mean, you could, you know, you could push it, you could control it. You're getting ready to be in a spot where you're going to put a 16 year old in a car. I need to anticipate God's going to be just as strong on that day as he was on the two year old birthday. Amen. We're, we're not walking towards easier times. Oft, we're walking towards more difficult times often times. But God is asking us to accomplish great things no matter what is coming in front of us. So he's saying, listen, follow me. I'll be over there when you get there. I can anticipate him even when the river is at flood stage. Listen. 
if we balk at the river, there's no way we'll take the land. I think the river was just a little initial test. I think the river was just a little initial test. I think them getting to the river was a test to say, okay, if you can trust me in crossing a body of water, then I think we're going to be okay conquering Jericho. Because I'm going to ask you to follow through the water, and then I'm going to ask you to do something even dumber. I'm going to ask you to just walk around the, the city. See, when we anticipate the goodness of God, we can then say, okay, I trusted you in this, so now I can trust you in that. I, I can just keep building on it and building on it and building on it. Now, there's something really awesome that happens here. Really awesome. So it says the next day, Levites carry the ark. As soon as they touch the water, it says the water backs up. The water backs up. It says it backs up ahead, and then it dries out below. When God is doing miraculous things in your life, oftentimes he does it in a way that everybody's going to see it. So you thought it was this little sneaky thing that the Israelites crossed the river. No, when he parted the river, it affected the towns above them and affected the towns below them to the point where after this story, it says everybody was in a panic because they realized the Israelites had crossed over. How did they know? Because the water stopped running. At flood stage... All the people below them, the water had stopped running at flood stage. Everybody knows it's out of the banks at this point in time. But now it dries up below where they're crossing. So now everybody's chewing on their fingernails. Uh-oh. They're here. Dum dum. They're here. Dum dum. Started public service announcements going out. Everybody's cell phones going off. Israelites are coming. One of the reasons... I didn't tell the first service this, but I like you better. (laughs) So watch this. Watch this. The river you're getting ready to cross isn't just about you, and some of us need to get that out of our heads. It's not just about you. It's about God's grace and mercy working through you so that he can reach other people. And so if he's trying to get you to anticipate his goodness to cross a river that will then stop and pile up on this side, stop on the downside. It's so he can let everybody else know how good he is. And what we're doing is we're standing at the end of the river. We're standing at the edge of it, arguing with God whether we're going to get wet or not. And he said, some things that we walk through are not just about us. Could we get that through our stinking little stingy heads where everything that happens to us is about us? It's not. And he said, well, how do you know that? Because he made him pick up rocks in the middle of the river. Man, I, this is one of my favorite parts of the story. Because I'll be honest with you, I'm not inherently like this. My wife will tell you, I'm not a sentimental person. I don't pick up rocks. I don't, I don't, I don't have keepsakes. I can throw it away just as soon as I got it. And if, uh, if something happens, I'm just like, well, easy come, easy go. We'll move on. We'll get another one. It's not a big deal. I have hardly anything that I'd be really upset if it disappeared. I may have a little, little drawer, maybe, but it's got junk in it. I'm just not wired that way. I'm not saying it's bad or good. I, I'm just not wired that So listen, when I cross a dry river, it's not my mentality to reach down and grab something. 
It's not my mentality. I had to be reminded. We were, I told you guys the story when we tore that house down. Uh, Pablo Lopez, who was uh, on staff here. And um, I, think he, I think he's going to be in our third service today. He's here in town. He's now at a church in uh, New England, doing very well. They had, at the, at the location he's at, it's part of a bigger church. I think they had over 800 people on Easter at his location. So uh, I'm applauding him because he learned everything from me. So, so what happens is uh, I don't pick up rocks. It's just not my nature. I don't have keepsakes. I don't. So we were getting ready to tear the building down. I'm just like, dude, that thing's got to go. It's the devil. It's holding us back, right? We just got to tear it down. It's the next step. Pablo is somebody that will stay in the middle of the river and pick up rocks all day. I'm like, get out of the river, man. And he posted online all the things that had happened in that house. That I didn't even remember how we'd prayed 24-7. I would done all these things. And so I'm going, oh, I totally just bypassed all that stuff. And just, oh, it's just wood and bricks. Just tear it down. It doesn't matter. And in this story, I realized why it's so important. One of the things about being a leader is you have to anticipate people forgetting. You have to anticipate where God, that God is going to be ahead of you. That he's going to be there when you get there. But you also have to anticipate people forgetting. Anybody lead anybody at your work? How many times you got to tell them to do something? You're like, man, we've been working together 30 years. I got to say it again? My wife and I talk about this all the time. You have to keep saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it. When you get sick of saying it, you wake up the next morning, you say it again. Hey, we're going to do the right thing no matter if it hurts. We're going to be honest no matter if it hurts. We're going to do this no matter what. We're going to be these type of people. We're going to be these type of people. Leadership definition. We're called. We're generous. We're serving people. We're saving people. Seeing, seeing them saved. We're, this is who we are. 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 It's who we are. It's who we are. Because people forget. They say vision leaks. And it doesn't leak like it leaks out on everybody else. It just leaks out on the ground and goes away. You have to keep saying it over and over and over again. So what happens is, God tells them, when you get into the middle of the river, appoint 12 guys, one from each tribe, and tell them to pick up a stone, not a little one. Said one that you put up on your shoulder, not one you put in your pocket. Put it up on your shoulder. Carry it out of the dry river bottom. And then when you get on the other side, Make a memorial. Stack them up. Stack them up so people can see and remember what happens. He actually says it like this. So Joshua called together the 12 men that he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? You know what that tells me? Is that they're going to forget that the river was dry. They're going to forget that there was a whole nation of people that anticipated God doing something amazing the next day. They're going to forget that Joshua stood up and went, hey, listen, get yourself ready because God's going to do something unbelievable tomorrow. You've never been down this road. I know the river's flooded, but get ready. God is going to do something tomorrow. We're anticipating him already being there. And he, and what you find out is they're, God is going, they're going to forget. They're going to forget. They're not going to remember. You're going to put your grandkids on your knee, and they're going to go, hey, what are all them rocks for? Are you kidding me, kid? 
Some of you have already experienced that. He says, pick up the rocks, take them to the other side, and make a memorial so that when you have kids, so that when your grandkids, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. I think one of the most important things for me as a husband and father and leader is this. To show my kids that when we anticipate God being where we're going, that everything's going to end up all right. Now, but I also have to reach down and take a rock out of the river to put up so that when they forget, they can look back and go, oh, yeah, that's right. Because people forget. People forget. So what I want to happen is this. I don't want my kids, I don't want my kids seeing me avoid difficult situations. I want them to see me anticipating God in the difficult situations. So it changes the way I pray. I don't pray in a panic. I pray in confidence that where he leads me, that he will already be. That where he leads me, he will already provide it. Where he leads me, he will already give me comfort. Where he leads me, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Amen? Where he leads me, he'll prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. His rod and staff, they're there for me. Where he leads me, I can anticipate his goodness being on me no matter what what the circumstance is. So it changes the way I pray. It changes the way I interact with my kids. I don't interact with them in a panic. I interact with them in confidence that, yes, kids, this looks like a difficult situation right now, but we can be guaranteed we have already anticipated God's provision and his promise in our future so I don't have to panic about it. But I will remind you nonstop. Right? So it changes the way I talk about the past. Because here's what we focus on in the past a lot of times. Oh, man, you remember when that Jordan was at flood stage? Ooh, I could not believe he asked us to do that. Mm-mm-mm. Boy, that was terrible. That was terrible. It was terrifying. We walked through the Jordan River, and there's a big pile of water on one side. I didn't even know if we were going to make it. So scared. We drug your little brother. He fell down. We had to run back and pick him up. I mean, it's terrifying. We talk about our past like that, don't we? Dad, how did you get those rocks out of the bottom of the river? I've never seen rocks like that on the side before. Where'd you get those? We got those out of the dry part. Let me tell you what happened. We anticipated God being where we were going. He was leading us. There's a guy named Joshua who you don't know, but he stood up as a leader and said, get ready. God's going to do something great tomorrow. So we started following God. And when we got to the difficult part, the water split. I ain't got no reason why it should have split, but it split. And we walked across on dry ground, and your uncle reached down and picked up a rock, and he brought it with him, and he put it on the other side to make sure you know that we were in no danger whatsoever. 
to make sure that you know there was no chance you could have built the Hoover Dam across the river and it wouldn't done any better job than what God was doing at the moment. So what the confidence that we have, I'm stacking it up right now. I'm going to take it in the moment. This is the problem. We often wait until the enemy comes back and tries to convince us that what happened didn't really happen. No, you got to pick up the rock when the, when the river's dry. You don't wait six months ago. Oh, man, you know, I think the wind was blowing really hard that day. It just blew it up. No. I'm going to make a memorial while it's happening, while it's fresh. I'm not going to let the kids forget. I'm going to say, man, God provided for us. And here's the beautiful part. You're giving God credit in the moment. When you reach down and you're grabbing something to remember it by, you're thus indicating to God that's a memorable experience. Pick up a rock, put it in your pocket. Start collecting rocks. How about that? Wouldn't it be cool if you walked in your house and there's a whole lot of rocks? Where those rocks came from? God did something amazing that day. I remember picking up, I just remember picking up a piece of gravel in the driveway and sticking it in my pocket because he was ministering to me in a very difficult situation. He promised me he'd be there and he worked it out and I couldn't believe it. But I picked down a rock to remember that day because I knew you were going to forget one day. Look up at the shelf. See all the rocks lined up? Those weren't afterthoughts. Those were in the moment. I anticipated God being where he was leading me, even into a difficult situation. And when I experienced his deliverance, I picked up a rock. I stacked him up. Far and wide at Hedgesville.Church. Far and wide at Hedgesville.Church is a modern day rock stacking. Walk downstairs and make a little video. It's a modern day rock stacking. Because, listen, um, your kids probably won't talk to you in 50 years. You'll probably have to send them a video. <laughs> We're stacking rocks, church. We're allowing him to lead us, anticipating that he will be where he's leading us, that he's already made a way where there seems to be none, that he's already dealt with the river, that he's already dealt with the inhabitants, of the, that he's already dealt with everything we're getting ready to face. And so we can, by confidence, take the next step, not even knowing what it is, but we can, by confidence, take the next step because he's already, we are anticipating God doing what he said he would do. Every promise in the Bible is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Every promise. I'm anticipating that he's just going to be who he's always been. I'm anticipating. I'm anticipating. I'm anticipating. And when it happens, I reach down and grab a rock so the next generation can anticipate it and can anticipate it and can anticipate And then we teach them, reach down and grab a rock, write a note, make an email, send a, send, a, send a video, whatever you have to do to make sure that from generation to generation that we don't let people forget the idea that we need to anticipate that God is good. Because he is. He's come through. So they walk across some dry land. If I could convince a group of people to wake up tomorrow morning, oh, wait, 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 before you go to bed tonight, say, God, tomorrow I'm going to act like you've already done what I'm praying for. That you're already there, you're already providing, so I'm going to make the decision based on my anticipation of you coming through. What would it change in your life? Lord, Lord, 
I'm anticipating you giving me peace when I forgive somebody. So I'm going to forgive them and I'm going to relinquish. I'm going to relinquish my ability to hurt them. I'm going to just forgive them, Lord, and I'm, and I'm anticipating you doing something in my life when I do that. I'm taking a step towards you. I don't know how it's going to turn out. Lord, I'm going to be generous. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I'm anticipating you figuring. I'm anticipating you providing when I do this. I'm anticipating it. It will revolutionize our, our lives. And listen, it'll cause something to happen in our community that people can't ignore. Because when he stops the flow of water, it impacts everybody around. And so we anticipate God and follow him into those circumstances. His story goes forward. Amen? Come on, why don't you stand? We're going to pray together. Anticipate. Anticipate his goodness in your life. Father, we want to do that this morning. We want to anticipate that you will be in every single tomorrow we have. That you are for us, you're with us, you're providing for us even at this moment. You're working out deals at this moment that we don't even know are happening. Lord, you're preparing a place for us. You anticipate so much. You said you were going to prepare a place for us. Lord, I pray that we can live our lives with that same amount of anticipation. That wherever you lead, we can follow. That no matter what the difficulty is, that you're already there. That we can have this confidence that you're the same God yesterday, today, and forever. There's no, there's no miracle that you're not capable of. There's no, there's no river that you're not capable of stopping up in the moment. And then, Lord, I ask that you, that you cause us to never forget that the things that we do in this generation, the things you accomplish through us, Lord, we set up memorials so that the people coming after us would be confident and would be able to anticipate your goodness the same way we did. I pray, God, that you would give us that ability this morning. You give us the faith to wake up every morning and know that you're there for us. Know and then make our decisions based on that. We thank you. There's somebody here this morning, maybe for the first time, you're saying, that you realize that God sent Jesus to forgive you of your sins. He anticipated you needing salvation all the way at the beginning. So his plan was to send Christ, and he did that. The Bible says that whoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And you have that opportunity this morning. It can change your outlook forever. You can anticipate God being for you and with you. You can anticipate him. And eternal life. You can anticipate all the goodness and promises that he's made. Just by accepting him this morning, just by asking him to forgive you of your, your sins and accepting Christ as your Savior, surrendering your life to him, it calls you to be able to have a totally different outlook. You can experience real forgiveness for the first time this morning. I just want to pray. Lord, I pray that you touch them this morning. Let them experience what forgiveness looks like. Let them experience what real love feels like. I pray that as they make that decision, you comfort them. Lord, they'd experience you you and your love in a real way today. We thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Come on, could you give him honor?